The final week of 2021 begins with a slight pause on government meetings at the local and state level. But there's always something to document in every edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. What phrase would you use to describe the week between Christmas and New Year's? Boxing week? Witching week? Some people have time off, but others without salaries continue to work. As for me, I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and I aim to bring you information as often as possible. On today's program, a lawsuit has been filed to stop a Confederate statue from being given to the Jefferson School Center for African American Heritage. Scottsville and Charlottesville have both received additional funding from a cap-and-trade program to pay for flood programs, and the Nelson County Board of Supervisors hires a firm to conduct a comprehensive plan. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Winter is here, and now is the time to think about keeping your family warm through the cold Virginia months. Make sure you are getting the most out of your home with help from your local energy nonprofit, LEAP. LEAP wants you and yours to keep comfortable all year round and offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older or have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as air sealing and insulation. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, reduce energy waste at home, and increase comfort. Two organizations that bid to receive the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee have filed suit in Charlottesville Circuit Court to prevent it from being awarded to the Jefferson School Center for African American Heritage. The center plans to melt the statue down and make it into a new public work of art. The petition for injunction, filed on December 22nd on behalf of the Trevilian Station Battlefield Foundation and the Ratcliffe Foundation, argues that City Council overstepped its authority when it voted 4-0 in the early hours of December 7th to choose the center. Here's a section from that argument. The city can legally remove, relocate, contextualize, or cover the Lee Monument, but the General Assembly denied the city authority to alter or destroy. A foundry is not a museum, historical society, government, or military battlefield, which are the only lawful recipients for placement of a relocated monument. The plaintiffs seek voidance of the award and to prevent the center from submitting another one. Alternatively, they seek damages or restoration of the statue. The suit claims that the city broke the Freedom of Information Act as well as its own procurement rules. The 2020 General Assembly passed legislation allowing localities to decide for themselves if they wanted to remove war memorials, which had been protected by state law. The Virginia Supreme Court ruled in April that that state law did not apply to either the Lee statue or another Confederate statue that formerly stood in a city park. Take a look at that opinion in the newsletter. Crews working on the replacement of the Belmont Bridge will take a break today, Thursday, and Friday. The Caton Construction Group has been working on removing the eastern span of the bridge, but will take a few days off for the holiday, according to a press release from the city. However, work on a water line between East South Street and Old Avon Street will take place on Tuesday and Wednesday. The work began this summer after several years of planning and after Council agreed to spend $7.5 million in capital improvement programs to make up for a cost overrun. You can learn more about the project at belmontbridge.com. 
Fans of comprehensive plan reviews can rejoice now that Nelson County has hired the Berkeley Group of Bridgewater to conduct the first update of their plan since 2014. Dylan Bishop is the county's director of planning and zoning. When I first accepted this position two and a half years ago, I was aware that a comprehensive plan update was on the horizon. Over the last couple of years, uh, there have been a few roadblocks with that, but it's also given me a good opportunity to become familiar with current comprehensive plans, zoning ordinance, and subdivision ordinances. The Berkeley Group will be paid $160,000 for their work. The current plan was written by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission with an entity at the University of Virginia known as the Design Resources Center. Bishop said the current plan does not lead the county's land use and development decisions, and that occurs now in the zoning ordinance. When it's done correctly, it should be an economic development tool. It's often used as reference for grant applications such as SmartScale, um, Virginia Outdoors Foundation grants. When you have something to point to that says, yes, our county already supports this. Nelson County sent out a request for proposals this fall and received three submissions. Two of the firms were interviewed and staff recommended the choosing of the Berkeley Group. Public engagement will begin with a meeting in January. Once the final plan is adopted, um, they will follow it up with a diag- another diagnostic of the zoning ordinance and subdivision ordinances. They'll generate recommendations that will make it consistent with our new comprehensive plan. Like I said, that'll be the enforcement tool to set the vision of the comp plan um, as the years go on. The Berkeley Group is currently working on the comprehensive plan updates in Richmond County and Greensville County. They've recently concluded work in Northampton County and the city of Lexington. Governor Ralph Northam has awarded an additional $24.5 million to help Virginia localities prepare for weather events associated with a changing climate. The money comes from Virginia's proceeds from participation in the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin has said he would end through an executive order after he takes office. In the meantime, in this round, Charlottesville will receive $94,276 for resilience planning and staff training, and the town of Scottsville will receive $123,346 for a planning study. Both communities were among 30 applicants for the second round of the Community Flood Preparedness Fund. In October, Charlottesville was awarded $153.5,000 in the first round for a project to create a two-dimensional model for the Moores Creek watershed. Virginia became the first southern state to join Reggie in 2020 and has received over $227 million in the four auctions it has been a part of so far. Utility generators have to purchase credits to exceed a certain threshold of carbon emissions. 45% of the proceeds go to the Community Flood Preparedness Fund. According to their application, the city will put the money towards a Charlottesville Resilience Plan that will include taking an inventory of existing plans, identifying hazards and threats, and assessing vulnerabilities. Here's a section from the application. The city is applying for these grant funds to contract with an expert consultant to facilitate plan development. The consultant will co-create the plan at facilitated workshops with the city's resilience team staff to increase staff expertise and capabilities. The schedule anticipates the plan will be ready in mid-April. Scottsville will take the funds to modernize the plans for dealing with floods. 
According to the application, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers completed a levee project on the James River in 1988 after a series of devastating floods in the mid-20th century. Here's a section from the project narrative. This project connects to the town's history and its future, assuring the continued safety from flooding and laying the groundwork for new economic development. The document goes on to state that the town would like the Federal Emergency Management Agency to adjust the floodplain map to remove the designation for the former tire factory in order to make it more attractive for redevelopment. They also want a new hydraulic model for downtown Scottsville. The Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation will need to approve both documents. There are some different resources you can look at in the newsletter. Finally today, beginning today, Albemarle's Parks and Recreation Department will operate seven places where county residents can drop off Christmas trees for recycling. People are asked to remove all decorations, lights, stands, and nails before the trees are added to the pile. The trees will be chipped and converted into mulch, and that mulch will be available for free beginning January 24th at both Dardentau Park and Claudius Crozet Park. There's a link to the locations in the newsletter. Community members are asked not to bring any other yard waste and are warned that the McIntyre Recycling Center could be congested. And that's it for the December 27th, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thanks again for listening. And what do you call this week between Christmas and New Year's? I call it a week that I'm going to be as productive as possible. I'm really going through uh, all of the work that I've done this year, and I'm hoping to put together a document that will be called The Year Ahead and The Year Back or something like that. Uh, I'm up to February, so I've got some work to do. There also is still other material I'm hoping to get through, but this is a, I'm hoping to call this a very productive week. You can help me be productive, of course, by forwarding the content on to as many people as you can. And if you can as well, uh, it would be a great week to sign up for Patreon. Patreon is a good way to support the overall uh, work that I do. And that includes a little website called infoseville.com. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of the program. And thank you very much for listening. And stay safe, stay warm, and stay on the pathway to 2022. Thanks for listening. <laughs>